1: You are now listening to the Unscripted Ohio podcast brought to you by Buckeye Grove and in part by JFQ Lending. All your home purchase and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. You'll never pay for your appraisal with these guys. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at JFQLending.com. For the latest news, notes, analysis, and discussion, check us out on BuckeyeGrove.com and follow us on Twitter at UnscriptedOhio1. Now, broadcasting from Podcast Central, a place that is not his mother's basement. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? We promise. Here's your host, Kyle Lamb. Hey, Ma! The meatloaf!
2: It is a frenzied Friday here on the Unscripted Ohio Podcast. We are here in part by BuckeyeGrove.com as well as our title sponsor, JFQ Lending I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. Several things to go over today. Uh, Coming up here in just a second, I have a a very opinionated situation I'm going to talk about. Um, I know it's not out of the ordinary for me to be opinionated about something, but Tate Martell did get his waiver for the University of Miami, which means he will be immediately eligible. We already knew that Tate had transferred to the University of Miami We didn't know if he would be eligible or not, but it turns out he did uh, file a waiver with the NCAA. It was granted, which means Ohio State consented to the waiver. I will explain what that means and how the NCAA made the right decision, but for all the wrong reasons. Coming up here in a few minutes, Mark Gibler, recruiting analyst extraordinaire of BuckeyeGrove.com, will be along. He attended the Ohio State Pro Day the other day. We have some... Uh, You know, he has uh, some observations on how Dwayne Haskins looked for NFL scouts. We'll talk about T-Mac, Terry McLaurin. Will he be a first-round pick? Uh, Maybe. Uh, We'll get into that as well as some recruiting. Trey LaRue, his commitment, which actually happened last week to Ohio State, I I haven't touched on on this podcast. Uh, It's long overdue, but I'll ask him about LaRue's commitment and also some key visits coming up to Ohio State here Uh, over the next couple of weeks with the rest of spring. And, of course, later in the show, uh, it is NCAA tournament time. The NCAA tournament tipped off on Thursday. Actually, to be technical, the NCAA tournament tipped off Tuesday in Dayton in the first four because, remember, the first four games, those two Tuesday games and two Wednesday games Those are called the first four. They are not considered play in games. They are actually part of the tournament. So they are not. So calling them play in games are not accurate. They actually count as far as NCAA tournament wins. They actually count as NCAA tournament appearances. And they actually count as far as payouts. Because remember, conferences are paid based on credits, which is the number of appearances and number of wins you have in the NCAA tournament. So those were not play in games. So, To be technical, the NCAA tournament actually tipped off Tuesday in Dayton. But the first day of the tournament, the best day of the year, it's like Christmas for college basketball. It tipped off Thursday. Great games. Not a lot of upsets, mostly chalk. But there were a lot of great competitive games that were fun to watch. And so with the NCAA tournament in full swing, we are now waiting on Ohio State basketball. I will talk about that later in the show. Ohio State the 11th seed playing in Tulsa, Oklahoma against Iowa State. I'll talk about that game and also talk a little bit about Ja Morant. If you don't know about this guy and you are a Cavs fan, you need to start paying attention. I don't know how much longer he will be in the NCAA tournament, but Murray State, the team that he plays for, he's a sophomore, by the way, a 6'4", point guard, he's a sophomore. He led Murray State to what? Uh, a, I think it was an 18-point victory against Marquette as a 12 seed. And this guy, you need to know who he is because I tell you what, if the Cavs lose out on the Zion Williams, Williamson sweepstakes and everybody is tanking for Zion, tanking for the tank, if the Cavs are not able to get Zion, I tell you what, John Morant would be an excellent consolation prize. So I will talk talk about him. Uh, to end the show, because if you're a Cavs fan and you like NCAA basketball or both or even neither, this is an interesting story because this guy is a lot of fun to watch. And I'll tell you why you should keep an eye on him later in the show. So back to the topic du jour, you know, Tate Martel getting a transfer. I'm very opinionated on this. I'm going to I'm going to just warn you ahead of time. And I know I'm going to try not to come up as too opinionated or too strong an opinion. Are too strong on, on an opinion on this, but I, I really dislike this waiver for Tate Martell for the University of Miami for so many reasons. It's not that I have a problem with Tate Martell playing right away. I don't have anything against Tate. I, he's a little too cocky for my liking. He did try to transfer from Ohio State several times. Um, I don't like the fact that he came out talking about how he was all in, he was going to battle for the job, and he didn't actually see it through. To me, you know, if you're going to come out and make statements like that, you should see them through. But none of that really makes a big deal. I think all athletes, to be honest, should be eligible to transfer without sitting out. That's just an opinion. You know, there are a lot of valid opinions on this. I I can see both sides. I can see not wanting, quote-unquote, free agency in college football or college basketball. I understand that. It's a little selfish, but you know we're all selfish in, in some of the things we want for for our favorite sports. So I don't I don't mind a little selfishness. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think if we're being intellectually honest with ourselves, it shouldn't be our call. It should be up to the student athletes. I hate that buzzword when the NCAA says that. It should be up to the athletes. You know, it's understood they're students. We don't need to remind ourselves that they are students, but it should be up to the athletes to do what's best for their careers. If they want to transfer and go, you know, play at the University of Miami instead of Ohio State, should that be really any different than the tuba player in the music program that changes schools and uh, you know can go play concerts or you know, part of the spring pep band or you know whatever? You know, I'm not sure there's a perfect analogy to this. But there are a lot of other normal traditional students that are involved in programs and extracurricular activities where they don't have to sit out when they transfer. So I don't think athletes should be the same way or any, any different, I should say. And they're really not because if you look at the rules, Division Two and Division Three Division athletes already can transfer without sitting out. It's called the one-time transfer exception. The first time you transfer from one institution to another, as long as you're eligible... As long as you have at least a two point five GPA, as long as you're on track to graduate, you don't have to sit out. You can go, you know, let's say you could go, I'm going to use an example here in Ohio. You could go from Otterbein College to Kenyon College, and you wouldn't have to sit out because it's going from one Division three institution to another. Same thing with Division two, uh, or going from Division one to Division two, or Division one to Division three. You don't have to sit out. If you're a Division one athlete, and you're not part of the five major sports, being football, men and women's basketball, baseball, and hockey. If you're not one of those sports and you're an athlete, any other sport in Division I, you can already transfer without sitting out as part of the one time transfer exception. So, Tate Martell, how is he different? He's not. Okay. And I actually think that the rule should be he should be able to transfer to Miami. As much as I don't like his rationale for transferring, I don't like that he basically bailed as soon as Justin Fields came along when he said he was going to compete. He was going to battle for the job. And when push came to shove, when it was time to walk the walk, Tate bailed. Okay, and if that's what Tate wants, hey, that's great. I just wish he hadn't made the comments he did. But I don't have a problem with letting him transfer uh, without sitting out. What I do have a problem with, and this is why this was a dangerous precedent to set, a dangerous situation for the NCAA. Quietly speaking, the NCAA has changed the status quo. They have changed the rules of the game, and they've done it with basically misleading people. Because what caused us to be in this situation is the NCAA had been responding to a lot of societal pressure a lot of criticism that athletes were being forced to play by the rules of coaches and institutions. Coaches and institutions were having too much say on where athletes transferred to and how they transferred about and how they went about their careers. The NCAA responded and came up with the transfer portal. They started uh, doing away with allowing institutions to have uh, no contact lists and who could be involved in a player's recruitment when they transferred and as part of that they started overhauling the the hardship waiver process before the hardship waiver basically said that you could transfer without sitting out if you had a legitimate hardship to, quote, circumstances beyond your control. And there were a list of things in the rule book as to what was considered beyond your, your control. Usually it had something to do with a family crisis, uh, something, a family a health issue, an immediate uh, issue where you had to be close to home, your own health issue. There were a number of things that, that constituted a hardship. But one of them, or should I say none of them, has ever been related to playing time a coach leaving, uh, someone coming in and taking your place. These are not considered hardships. I I think by most general definitions, people would not consider this hardship, but they have never been a part of the NCAA rulebook. And so the NCAA came along last year, changed the hardship waiver just a little bit. And basically it kind of said, you know, still circumstances beyond your control, but if the previous institution um, agreed with the hardship, then you could sit, you wouldn't have to sit out, and it provided the NCAA approved you. Well, now the NCAA has kind of slowly shifted the the threshold for what constitutes a hardship, and now they're basically saying that hey, anything goes as long as the previous institution okay's it. In this particular case. Tate Martell got his hardship because Ohio state went along with it. And the reason they went along with it is Miami negotiated what the circumstances were for the hardship. They basically tried through a bunch of stuff against the wall. And the thing that stuck for Ohio state, the reason Ohio state went along with it is Miami's excuse for why Tate Martell should not have to sit out is because when he decided to enter the portal, Ohio State supposedly didn't want him anymore. He was not really welcome to go back, even though he had no intention of going back because he had decided to transfer, or at least he had decided to go into the portal. Ohio State was not going to take him back, according to Tate and his lawyer. And so he basically is saying that's a hardship because Ohio State didn't want him back and he had to transfer. That's the excuse that they they came up with. That's the excuse that Ohio State went along with. That's the excuse that got Tate Martell his hardship with the NCAA. Why do I have a problem with this? Because now we are in a, a world in the NCAA terms where your hardship is not defined based on whether or not you have legitimate suffering, a legitimate circumstantial issue that you have to correct, but rather whether you can come up with a fiction that meets the approval of the school you are leaving. That is a dangerous precedent. My friends, Kate Martell should be able to transfer without sitting out as all athletes should, in my opinion. But the problem is by the way, the rules are written. He never should have gotten a waiver. And now we are pinning our hopes of a waiver on the old institution. If the old institution signs off and thinks it's a legitimate reason for a waiver, they're going to give it. If the institution doesn't sign off, the NCAA is going to say no. This is a problem that needs corrected, friends. If we're going to go down the route of what some people would call free agency in college football and college basketball, let's do it the right way. Let's do away with the whole waiver process. It's a sham. It's subjective. It's a mess. Let's just give the one-time transfer exception I'm okay with keeping the rules as they are where you sit out a year. If if that's what is best for college football and college basketball, I don't personally agree with it, but I'm okay with it. I understand it. But we've got to do away with waivers because the last thing we need is Ohio State or any other school basically deciding if you have a legitimate hardship. And they're not even deciding based on reality. They're deciding on whether the fiction looks bad For them, Ohio State okayed this because Miami came up with a lie that Ohio State didn't think made them look bad. That is a problem. So, again, I don't have a problem with Tate transferring. Good on the NCAA for allowing him to not sit out. But this is a bad precedent, and we have got to change the system. So, interesting. Tate Martell will be playing at the University of Miami Should be a lot of fun. Tate Martell, swag, Miami, (laughs) those three things go together very well. It will be an interesting experiment. I'm not convinced he's going to get the starting job, but it would be fun to watch regardless.
1: It's time to go inside Ohio State recruiting and take a peek behind the scenes with Buckeye Grove recruiting guru, Mark Gibler, and his magical orb of wonderment. They said it couldn't be done but he's outdone himself once more back for another recruiting roundup.
0: That's what I do. I drink and I know things.
2: All right. We are back now to talk some football with Mark. Um, Hey Mark, it's, it's day one of the NCAA tournament. Uh, how, how's your bracket looking, buddy?
0: My primary brackets, uh, seven and one right now, actually. Uh, so I'm off to a decent start. I'm sure there'll be, uh, It'll be chaotic by the end of the day tomorrow, but uh, you know it's 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 been a pretty good start. I I only lost the uh, lost the Minnesota Louisville game.
2: You know this sacrilegious to say as being a big of a basketball guy as I am, but for the first time in. I want to say probably my entire adult life, and maybe even since I was 12 years old, I didn't fill out a bracket this year. So <laughs> I am literally just watching NCAA tournament games for the fun of it. I have no pride and, and no money, more importantly, riding on any of the results of these games.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm in fewer pools than usual. Um, I get in that big one here locally, uh, that Poolmeister that goes where the like 20% goes to charity and like nationwide children's hospital and stuff like that. So I, I put a few entries into that every year. Uh, and then I, I do one kind of like a family pool or whatever that, that we do every year. And uh, that's, that's it for this year. I usually uh, get into a few more, but I don't know. I don't know if the interest wasn't there this year or, or, or what it was, but uh, just, just, uh, just those two this time. So I, I'm, I'm less invested, I guess.
2: Well, speaking of money writing on performance, I'm going to make a nice little segue here. You were over at the Ohio State Pro Day the other day, and I'm going to ask you about Dwayne Haskins. Uh, First, I want to ask you what you saw, how he performed in your eyes. And second, I want to touch on these Giants rumors because there has been so much coming out, a lot of reports that the Giants aren't interested, that they haven't been spending any time on him, yada, yada, yada. But I don't know, the more the more we hear about this, the more I'm convinced they're trying to just pull the wool over everybody's eyes and they actually are really interested. And I get the feeling that they're trying to convince people that they're not. Is that a possibility? Uh, let's go back and, and, and you know, I, I want to know what you saw from him, but I also want to know what you think of, to make of that situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, mean, I think I think we we overreact to pro days in general um, with quarterbacks. They're throwing against air. Um, there's no risk of being sacked Um, but given given that context I thought Dwayne um, certainly looked looked really good Um, nothing I don't think we we already didn't know I mean he's got a really good arm and and he's not just a a fastball guy he can really place it um, down down the sideline um, down the middle, I mean, it, the, the, placement was, was, was really good. Only, only a few, uh, only a few balls hit the turf. Um, you know, maybe five or six balls hit the turf. And I would say half of those were probably drops um, by the receivers. Um, you know, I thought he, you know, for me, these workouts, I don't know how much they help. Maybe, maybe they do. Maybe I'm being naive, but I, I think these workouts, I think the goal really is to not go out there and look bad and give teams a reason to be scared. And I, I think Dwayne certainly accomplished that. I think he validated all of the things we think he does well.
2: You know, I, just from the limited sample, I saw kind of going through, you know, you posted on Buckeye Grove, um, a video containing all his throws. I thought for me, the thing that he looked best at, which maybe scouts, if there was any knock on his game as far as throwing the ball, it may be moving out of the pocket and kind of going and throwing to his left a little bit. But he looked, I, you know, I know, he again, like you mentioned, he was throwing against air. But I thought he looked really comfortable on the run and, and throwing to a, to his left across his body. He looked sharp. Of course, we knew he had the arm, but he was accurate. I, I thought that, you know, he quitted himself well in the limited environment that you can make a splash on something like that.
0: Yeah, he had a few rollouts where he just kind of snapped it off, you know, 40 50 yards down the field right on the money and, and and that was certainly probably, you know, if we had to if we had to pick out a couple of the most impressive throws, it was probably probably those couple. Um so yeah, I mean, he looked it it all looked like it should. I mean, that's what that's what you know, you know, you're talking about being a top 5 top 10 draft pick. That's what it's supposed to look like.
2: Do you think, so on the second half of that, you know, with all this Giants stuff come out, are, are you buying that they're not interested, or is that, is that uh, a cover? Because I, I, at first I'm like, well, that's interesting, and I was making fun of them for it, but I really think it's just a cover.
0: If, if we give the Giants enough credit that there are competent human beings <laughs> in their front office, then we have to think this is a smokescreen. But we just saw them give away Odell Beckham just after just after signing him long term,
2: and then throw the um, money at Golden Tate right after they did that.
0: Right. Um, so, yeah, if 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 I um, if I thought the Giants were more competent, I would think, oh, it's 100 percent a smokescreen. But I think it's I think it's closer to 50 50 because we've seen the Giants do a lot of dumb stuff lately. And so maybe this is one more dumb thing they're doing where they're not going to address the quarterback position. And they have no interest in a guy like Dwayne Haskins who would have seemingly fit their offense uh, perfectly uh, pre Beckham trade. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I think, you know, then of course there's the old adage of, you know, you don't want to believe what teams are saying right now that if the Giants loved Dwayne Haskins, it would behoove them to, make people think they don't in, in in hopes that he might fall to them at their pick, which I believe is number six um, as opposed to having to give up the price tag to go up and get him, which this type of trade for them to get up to two or three to guarantee that they would get him um, has typically been either multiple first round picks or something like three second round picks. I mean, it's, it's a heavy price tag just to move up three or four spots when you're that high in the draft. So in that sense, yeah, it would make sense for them to throw everybody off the trail. But I mean, some of the crazy stuff they're doing recently makes me wonder if, if this is just another dumb thing they're doing.
2: You know, on the pro day front, one other guy I wanted to touch on real quick. We, we talked about him a few weeks back, but Terry McLaurin, after a strong senior bowl week, a a very good performance in the Combine and now, uh, you know, what you would expect from him in the Ohio State Pro Day. There was one report, I think a tweet from an agent type that basically said, um, you know, Terry was told to you know, have his phone on and ready to go in the first day of the NFL draft, which suggests he he could be a first round pick, which is something you you touched on a few weeks ago. I said I thought he would go top one hundred. So it really seems like Terry McLaurin has done everything this offseason he could possibly do to get himself into that first, second, third round, uh, you know, draft uh, area.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I mean. I don't think I'm ready to buy first round, but I'm definitely ready to buy that someone could snag him in the second round at this point. I, I it's, and certainly I don't think there's. I mean, what I saw the other day and just you know kind of what I've heard you know the last few weeks would make me think that there's no chance he doesn't go by the third round. So, and and that's obviously a little bit different maybe than it would have been. I don't know, two months ago. Uh, you know, we were talking. You know, could go anywhere in the middle of the draft probably. Um, he's flying up. He seems to be flying up. the board. He was awesome on, on uh, Wednesday. Um, he made three. I mean, like I said, Dwayne was good, but, you know, and we talked about only five or six balls maybe hitting the turf, but, you know, nine or ten balls might have hit the turf if Terry didn't make about three spectacular catches. Um, he made some, some amazing catches. Um, and like I've said before, I think um, the fact that he's such a monster on special teams and he is a A-plus human being is is a recipe with him that even no matter where he goes in the draft you could see him we could be sitting here eight or ten years from now he's still in the nfl and that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a pro bowl guy or a guy catches 70 80 balls a year but i just he just feels to me like a guy who's going to play like a decade in the nfl
2: I, I was sitting here thinking that same thing i was that was going to be my next comment to you is it feels like injury permitting which is the caveat you have to issue with all these guys but injury permitting he feels like an eight to 10 year guy in the NFL. He really does just because he does so much well, you know, he he doesn't have to be a, you know, a high flyer, a guy that goes up and catches everything, but he does so much. Well, I feel like he is going to stick on an NFL roster for eight to 10 years just because of that.
0: Yeah. And I think the wildest thing about it is he has dramatically improved his hands from, from high school To early college career to now is night and day. Um, That was a thing in high school where they worked him out at multiple camps. I mean, Ohio State really kind of almost did the Darren Lee thing with him, where he had to just keep showing up, and they really wanted him. And he would fight it a little bit in high school, and and even in his college, you know, I would say the first couple years on campus, um, he would he would he had a you know a propensity to for the occasional drop, and he has turned himself from again what I would have considered an average. Uh, pass catcher to a extremely good pass catcher a guy who catches everything it's been it's been crazy to see and and i mean everything else is about the same as it was coming out of high school you would have the same scouting report of you know unbelievable kid you know fast hardworking. all of those things have carried over to now but he has drastically improved his hands
2: so I want to shift gears to the recruiting front. One guy that committed to Ohio State last week that I did not get a chance. I have, I have actually not spoken about this on the show yet, and I've definitely not talked to you about it, but I want to get your take on the Trey LaRue commitment, the tackle from Norwalk committing to the Buckeyes this week. What is Ohio State getting with him? And that seemed to be a little bit earlier, I think, than anybody was anticipating with a commitment out of him. So what precipitated that, that early uh, that early decision?
0: Yeah, I mean they're they're going back. I know they've I know the last couple months, you know, basically post full season, a lot, there's been a lot of going back and you know watching a lot of film from from these kids' junior seasons and and um, getting a chance to spend some time around them when they come up to campus and uh, just it just it felt like uh, they they liked what they saw out of Trey. I, I had one person uh, who was kind of involved in the whole process tell me that um, you know Trey had a much better second half of his junior season, than the first half, which Ohio state liked. Um, he's a huge bodied kid. I mean, I, I'm not going to give him the six, eight. Some people are giving him, but he's, he's six, 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 six and a half all day. Um, strong. I mean, he wrestles, uh, his brother is actually a really good wrestler. He's got a, a brother. I believe, I believe is a year behind him, uh, who was at, actually in the state wrestling tournament. Um, so, you know, there's, there are physical things to like there. Um, you know, competition level is a concern. And as a big body kid, I think there's uh, there's going to be a learning curve there. I, I think he's still kind of uh, growing into his body, you know, getting coord, getting more coordinated, things like that. Uh, which I do think wrestling has um, has helped with. But um, so he's interesting. I, I think um, you know they've they've offered him and Jacob James a little bit early. They, we've talked about this. I, I think they need six. I think they need six in this class. And I just think after the way last year went where they were kind of picky earlier, and they're like, well, you know, it, it just felt like, you know, there were a couple of Ohio kids they could have moved on earlier and they just didn't do it. And then there was a couple other kids that could have moved on. They didn't. There's no, you know, we're just going to kind of wait it out and see what, you know, what these other guys do. And they missed on some of those other guys. And then it was a, just a total uh, scramble at the end. I, I just think knowing that, Knowing that they're going to probably be taking six, I just think they wanted to take some of the risk out of this and get get you know three four you know three or four early, and now they can kind of uh, I don't want to say relax, but you know there's a little bit of breathing room there where it's not mass panic if they miss on one or two guys. And we go into September or October, and they have two offensive linemen committed.
2: Yeah, that, that was, boy, you're, you're hitting on all my points before I get a chance to ask them tonight. Um, is this a case of the bird-in-the-hand approach, where they're just trying to, in this posi- case, they, they know they need a lot at this position, and they wanted to make sure that they have at least some already in the hand? Or is this a case where they are trying to be more aggressive with Ohio kids, or is it a little bit of both?
0: I think there's a little bit of both. I would lean more towards just the offensive line situation and wanting to not be scrambling for three or four guys at the end. Um, I think that's the biggest factor here. And then a a byproduct of that is, well, who can you get early? Well, you're going to get the Ohio kids early. Um, you know, you're not going to get the five star kid from Texas or California or Florida probably at this stage. You know, that's probably going to take some time. So yeah. And and then, you know, The ele- and then the elephant in the room, and you know, I, you know, and I think everyone knows on our site that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about Ohio State's chances here. But you know, your, your best offensive line commit is visiting other schools like constantly right now, so you know that has to scare you a little bit too, just because you know if, if somehow something went sideways with Paris Johnson, there's another one you're down that you need to replace. So I, I just think. I just think after the way last year went and with Paris um, looking around and and things of that nature, that it just, uh, I think they made a a very uh, firm decision that they weren't going to, no matter what, they weren't going to find themselves in that situation again.
2: I'm still of the opinion Paris is playing the game, but I'm curious, even if that is the case, how much longer do you see him, you know, going around, making the, making the visit tour. And, uh, you know, even if we assume that he will eventually be back in the fold for Ohio State, Do you see this playing out too much longer?
0: I don't see it stopping right now. Um, You know, I don't want to project too far out into the future because that's just, you know, whether it's three, whether this is over in three months or six months or whatever, but I don't think it's stopping. Like he's, he's, he's actually visiting Ohio state again. um, Not this weekend, but the following weekend, uh, which is like the 29th, I guess the weekend, of the 29th. Um, So he will be back in Columbus here in a little more than a week. Um, I don't think it's going to end there. Um, maybe it will, I guess. I mean, you, you never know with these guys when they just – because we never, we never thought Paris would commit this early to begin with. So he could surprise again and just kind of lock things up next week, but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I think this is going to go through – I I would say through the summer. I mean, I, I – again, do I, I don't know that I want to project much further than that. But um, you know, kind of maybe address it, you know, in May or June where things are at then, and see if there's light at the end of the tunnel. But I, I don't think this is stopping until at least the end of the summer.
2: There seems to be some hope with Legend Cabezos being uh, on campus coming up this weekend that maybe he could be back in the fold soon. Do you see that a case? Because there's there's a lot of buzz with him right now that Ohio State seems to have him closer to recommitting. Do you think that's accurate?
0: I, I think it's possible he would recommit. I don't know that I'm you know, betting on it necessarily happening this weekend. I think it could. I think they're going to get him back. I mean, I, I think they're the favorite uh, right now, now that he's open. I, I still think that's the most likely um, scenario. Jeff Halfley's really done a good job there. Um, legend and, and his, his parents just gush about him um, whenever, whenever um, that gets brought up. Um, you know, he was such an urban Meyer guy and his, his family was as well, but they really like Ryan day and Jeff Hafley. I mean, this, this has been a very good effort from those two, um, to stabilize that, uh, to an extent. Um, so I, I'm feeling, like I said, uh, I think I posted on the board the other day, you know, I, once he decommitted, I had the option to kind of move my pick to another school or whatever. And, um, I didn't. I've kept it on Ohio State, and it's not because I—it's not because I just couldn't find another school to move it to. It's because I actually do think that Ohio State is the most likely uh, landing spot for him right now, and um, so we'll see. I mean, things could move quickly this weekend. I mean, it wouldn't, I wouldn't—I wouldn't be shocked by it. But you know, I whether that have you know whether it happens this weekend or in two or three months, I, I do think Ohio State has a great chance to keep him.
2: And he has said that he's bringing Julian Fleming with him, and, <laughs> yeah. which, which begs the same question I asked you, you know, probably a month ago. Is this Ohio, can Ohio State beat, beat out Penn State? Is Clemson really in there? I mean, it's, what has changed, if anything, with Fleming?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, yeah I'm gonna have to ask uh, Legend if he's actually physically uh, stopping in the mountains of eastern Pennsylvania to pick up Julian on his way to Columbus. I don't <laughs> think he's bringing him, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's it continues to be very interesting. There, um, it like if someone's someone's going to, and I'm not I'm not saying that Julian is intentionally doing this. I I don't I don't know that he is. I'm just, but someone's going to be blindsided by him and we don't it's going to be interesting to see who it is because c- people close to clemson and ohio clemson and ohio state seem to think this is a clemson and ohio state battle which is news to penn state
1: yeah that's, so that's crazy either,
0: either penn state is like out which i can't believe is the case and it's really ohio state and clemson or ohio state and clemson are about to get a dose of reality. He's actually going to Penn. State. I mean, this is, it's very interesting right now. It's, it's two very different um, views or perspectives on where that's at right now because Penn state's supremely confident. Um, And, you know, can you blame him? He's been there a dozen times. He's got a great relationship with James Franklin. It's right down the road. And those kids from that part of Pennsylvania go to Penn state. Um, So it's all sorts of weird there right now. Um, I don't think anything's going to happen this weekend. I mean, I I think, uh, I think Julian's going to go a little bit of, uh, of, of a ways with this one, but, um, it, it's, uh, it's going to be the ultimate thing. I mean, and I'm not counting out Georgia, Alabama, Oregon. I know those are all in there and, you know, Georgia, Alabama, I don't think can ever be counted out in recruiting, but, but it's just that little, uh, three-way there with those teams. It's, uh, it's very interesting right now hearing the different perspectives from different people on the different sides and how different, uh, um, you know, how, how things aren't really lining up when you talk to like different people.
2: Well, and that, uh, I think is a good place to start with our next, our next guy, you know, Rakeem Jarrett, because for so long he's been an Ohio state lean, you know, he's been putting it out on Twitter that he's a big Ohio state guy. He's had, you know, his background and, you know, you know, says a lot about Ohio state in the last couple of weeks, people are a little concerned because he's kind of taken the Ohio state stuff away. And now he's, you know, projecting himself in Georgia gear and uh, talking about all these other visits. So this begs the question, is he still an Ohio state heavy lean and just kind of playing the game and building suspense for a decision that may or may not come uh, soon, or, you know, is this, you know, has something yeah. happened here?
0: My read is that he let the cat out of the bag too early on Ohio state. And now he's got to backtrack to keep this interesting. Yeah. That's my opinion.
2: That's what that's, but, that's, that was. That was where opinion. I'm at. He,
0: he, he gave us too much information too soon and everyone jumped on, Oh, you're going to Ohio, And now he's now if, if there's no suspense. If he doesn't reel it back in, that's my opinion. Um, I think he gets something set up with, with his mom and which is important because that, that's another, I mean, that that has held things up. Um, You know, mom's got to sign off on this, no matter which school it is, she needs to go see it. And she's not been to Ohio state on his visits with, with him. Um, So that's got to happen for Ohio state in terms of getting an actual commitment, a public commitment. Um, But as, as far as, you know, this other stuff, I, I, I still very much like Ohio State uh, in, in that race, and um, it's gonna. It, it, you know, it's always interesting. Like I said, when you when you when you bring Alabama and Georgia and teams like that into the equation, it does. It makes things interesting. Just just like when a just like when it kid from the southeast brings Ohio State into the equation, it, it makes things interesting there. I mean, it you had you do have you know the, the best programs in the country tugging at you, but I no, I I, I think there's an unbelievable relationship there with Brian Hartline. And I just think mom, uh, I think if mom comes in and sees it here in the next few months and uh, that should happen, I mean, whether it's the spring game or at some point, maybe like in June, when a lot of these kids go out and visits, um, you know, I think the Ohio State buzz will pick back up and, you know, everyone will be on the Ohio State train again.
2: So uh, Kendall Milton confirmed this week, something you had already reported. I think he told you that. So it, it was he built up suspense for this announcement that he's visiting April 4th. Uh, But I think he had already told you that, and you'd certainly reported it anyway. So that wasn't really a surprise. But what else does Ohio State have coming up the next couple weeks by way of visits through the rest of the spring that we should uh, be paying attention to?
0: Yeah, Kendall and his dad told me about the visit like, well, like six weeks ago or something. So it was when he put out that tweet. I was like, hmm, maybe just uh, our our ADD society probably had already forgot about the 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 story a few weeks ago so it was probably new news to everybody but uh everyone already forgot but um yeah that certainly is interesting that's going to go a long way towards kind of you know is ohio state a fringe contender here or are they legitimate you know i think this will go a long way um one thing I, i think the fascinating one this weekend other than maybe legend and you know a, a potential recommitment there, and you know obviously Fleming. But I don't think I don't think anything much changes with Fleming. Like I don't think Fleming commits this weekend. I, I don't know that you know the story changes with Fleming too much. The thing that's interesting for me this weekend is Henry Gray, um, top 100 defensive back out of Miami Central. Um, this will be his first visit. He's going to be up here for a few days. It's going to be his first visit. You know Ohio State's kind of been a you know the dreaded South Florida kid dream school for him. Um, you know, watching Marshawn Lattimore and, and just guys like that, you know, a, a big fan of some of the corners Ohio state has produced. And this was a kid we were told last year, we were down in Florida for a uh, Southern swing um, about a year ago at this time. And, you know, we were told, you know, watch out for this kid. He loves Ohio state. And he was committed to Miami at the time. And I, I, I told the guy who was telling us this down there, who's one of the most connected people down there possible. So when he tells you something, you listen, but he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, Henry loves Ohio state. They, they'd have a shot there. I said, He's committed to Miami, and he's, he just very casually told me, "Yeah, he might go there. You know, he might go. He might end up in Miami. But like, he's committed there. What do you mean he might go there? You know, so it's really just funny the way uh, these, these South Florida commitments work. He's obviously he's since opened it up, and Clemson is the school that has really taken advantage recently. They had a, a great visit with him recently, um, but you know." this could be a big visit for Ohio state. I'm not predicting a commitment or anything like that, but I, I think, you know, if, if Ohio state could come out of this thing, you know, right there with Clemson, that's a story. I mean, that's a big deal. He's he's a heck of a player. Um, and I think that's possible. I mean, I think it's possible that this visit could have that type of impact where it's, it kind of morphs its way into an Ohio state Clemson battle. Um, so that to me is a really interesting one. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll probably do another one here, another podcast here before the spring game in a few weeks, but uh, Turner Corcoran coming up for the spring game, um, top 100 offensive tackle out of uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, that To me, that's a now or never type of thing for Ohio State. Um, Nebraska and Oklahoma have really used uh, geography to their advantage, uh, especially Nebraska. So um, that was a kid who loved Ohio State. He's been up here already, still loves Ohio State, but, you know, Nebraska and Oklahoma have, have certainly um, – Picked up some momentum the last couple months, and uh, for me, Ohio State's going to need to either get a commitment or they're going to have to pull into the lead coming out of that weekend because they may not they may not get him back. I mean, I I think he'll do the official no matter what. I think, but you risk maybe not get you know you you risk not being able to get him back on campus again at least in an unofficial visit capacity. Um, just because you know of, of geography, whereas Nebraska is just about three hours away, so he can kind of go to Nebraska whenever. Um, and Oklahoma is a little bit further, but but a more manageable trip than than Columbus. Um, so it just um, to me that's an important one.
2: You know, Mark, it's not often you get to say the words Nebraska using geography to their advantage.
0: No, it, it isn't, and um, it, it just. Uh, for some reason, Lawrence, Kansas is producing a just a freakish offensive tackle. So, uh, you know, it just—you uh, never know. The guys, you know, pop up all over the country. So, yeah, they've—they've uh, they've definitely, uh, you know, like I said, I—I I did the math quest thing a couple of weeks ago when I was looking into it, and I was like, oh yeah, it's only about three hours. It's not—it's not far. It's—it's it's not much different than going from like Columbus, to Indianapolis, really. Um, so it's—it's it's in a way the you know obviously kansas would be the the home school um supposedly but the, you know they obviously they've got their issues right now that go well beyond just winning football games um so you know as, as far as the local power i mean if you're from that part of the country that's it's, it's nebraska i mean historically certainly so they've done a good job obviously oklahoma is a great re- um program that, that recruits well so they've done a good job there too so I just I think it's an important one. I'm not, you know, I'm not hitting the panic button or anything like that. I just think you're only going to get so many opportunities to get him on campus because of geography whereas some of the other contenders can get him more easily on the campus. So I just I think it's a big one. I think they got to make a move.
2: Mark Gibler, he is a recruiting analyst of Buckeye Grove. You can check out his work on BuckeyeGrove.com as well as on Twitter at MarkGiblerBG. As Mark mentioned, we will definitely have him back, I'm sure, before the spring game uh, sometime here in the next couple weeks. Mark, uh, best of luck to your bracket this weekend and uh, enjoy a lot of basketball.
0: All right, thanks, man. Have a good one. Stretch
1: runtime here at Unscripted Ohio. Kick up your feet as we cross the finish line with the Buckeye Beat. The latest in Ohio State news and notes.
0: Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy.
2: Ohio State basketball coming up tip Friday the evening around 9.50 to 10 o'clock. Ohio State will be trying to knock off Iowa State. Chris Holtman is a perfect 5-0 in first round games in his career, spanning three years at Butler and then this being, actually, I'm sorry, he's actually 4-0 in first round games, three years at Butler, and then last year at Ohio State. This being his fifth NCAA first round appearance uh, will be interesting. I think Ohio state has a chance to get it done. They are approximately five and a half point underdogs. As I record this against Iowa state again, and I mentioned this early in the week, Ohio state can win this game It has somewhat of a favorable matchup from the standpoint that Iowa state does not first force a lot of turnovers defensively and they don't have a lot of height and size up front against Ohio state, which is, really two of the things that has caused Ohio State the most problems this year. The Buckeyes have done a great job cutting down on turnovers late in the year. Some of that because of the defenses they face were not aggressive defenses, but also they have legitimately done a good job in taking care of the ball and valuing possessions. If Ohio State can do that, uh, keep the turnovers uh, under 12 or 13 for the game and hit just... I think an average number of shots, You know, not be bad from three-point range, but hit maybe 33% and maybe have an effective field goal percentage above 50% with with Caleb Wesson having a good game. If they do these things, Keyshawn Woods continue to pick up where he left off. I really think Ohio State can win. Iowa State has some very good guards. They have a couple of NBA-type of guards. They're very tough. They're physical. They can shoot pretty well but they don't have a lot of size. Ohio State has done well against guard-oriented teams this year. They can continue to defend at a high level. Remember, this is a top 20 type of defense for Ohio State. Defense has generally not been the problem this year. They have been better than average. They've had some games where they don't uh, defend and transition consistently well, and a lot of that is because their offense puts them in bad position, but they can defend They can't. Despite the fact this Iowa State team is very good on offense, Ohio State has a chance to win this game defensively. But they just have to make shots, take care of the basketball, and make some shots. Keyshawn Woods has really stepped up the last few games. uh, With Caleb Westman being back, if CJ Jackson or Keyshawn Woods plays the way they've been playing lately, I think Ohio State can be right in position to win this basketball game Friday. If they can, they will, they will likely take on a very tough Houston team over the weekend. We'll see what happens, but I like the Buckeyes to at least give Iowa State every bit the, the the amount that they can handle, and I think this will go down to the wire. Whether or not the Buckeyes pull it out remains to be seen, but this is a at least a favorable matchup to be in the game. We'll see if they can actually win it. Uh, we will be back on Monday to talk about Ohio State's performance over the weekend, whether it's in this game or possibly uh, also the game on Sunday. If they win, then we'll have two games to discuss. And hopefully for, uh, for Buckeye fans' sake, we will have some games to preview in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament next week. Uh, I, I teased Ja Morant. I want to talk about this here real quick before we wrap up because this is really interesting to me if you're a Cavs fan. So Ja Morant is the 6'4 point guard for Murray State. I mentioned him early in the show. He had a triple-double, which was like the 17th all-time triple-double in the NCAA tournament. He had 15 points, 15 assists, and 10 rebounds in the win against Marquette as a 12 seed. Marquette was the 5 seed. Ja Morant is projected to be the number two pick in the NBA draft behind, of course, Zion Williamson of Duke and everybody knows about Zion Williamson. And I actually think an injustice has been done this year because Ja Morant is starting to get a lot of attention, but he probably deserved a lot more attention than he got this year. And and it's understandable because nobody really knew who he was or few people knew who he was coming into the season. Whereas Zion Williamson was the number one recruit in the country. He goes to Duke. There's naturally going to be a lot of hype around him. Now I'm not trying to say Zion shouldn't be the number one pick in the draft, but I got to tell you, depending on your need, depending on your situation, if you're an NBA team, uh, there are some teams. Depending again, a lot of it depends on need, but there are some teams that would be maybe just as happy getting John Morant in the draft as they would Zion. Now, if I'm a Cleveland Cavs fan, and I am, if you're a Cleveland Cavs fan, or if more so, if I'm a Cleveland Cavs executive. Zion may be my top priority, but I'm just as happy at the thought of getting Job Morant, and I'll tell you why. In an ideal, perfect situation, Colin Sexton would be your point guard, and because of his size, you don't really want to move him off the ball. Now, Sexton, if you've been watching the Cavs lately, he is playing so much better. His defense has not been very good this year, but he will be a good defender. He has, he has proven in his high school, AAU, and college career, albeit only one year at Alabama, he is a really good defender when he wants to be, and he will be a good defender when he's engaged on a good basketball team. The Cavs have not been good. He's not been giving full effort defensively, but he will get there. I'm not worried about that. His passing has been a little bit left to be desired. He's getting better, but he can still be a better facilitator and distributor, and his overall offensive decision-making has room for improvement. But as a rookie, he has really come on as a scorer and as a shooter. Nobody expected him to be this good of a shooter this soon. He really struggled last year at Alabama shooting 33%. He's currently shooting 41% from three-point range right now as a rookie. He has scored at least 23 points or more in seven straight games, which is the first time an NBA rookie has done that since Tim Duncan. So that's really rarefied air, really good company. Sexton is coming on and becoming one of the better young scorers in the NBA already. You know, he's got his points per game nearly 17 now as a rookie. Really coming on, the Cavs have become a lot better. And for those of you worried about the Cavs winning too much, remember the NBA changed the draft lottery procedures this year. So if you are uh, one of the three worst records in the NBA you have the same percentage to win the lottery, 14% apiece. So as long as the Cavs finish in the bottom three, they're going to get a 14% chance to win the lottery. If they finished in the uh, the fourth spot rather than the top three, they're still going to have a 12.5% chance. So their percentages only go down by 1.5% chance if they don't finish in that top three. So really, the Cavs don't need to worry too much about losing at this point. They've done enough. It's all up to fate at this point, whether or not they get that number one pick and then have the coveted spot of drafting Zion Williamson. It's really out of their hands anyhow. So you don't worry too much about Colin Sexton coming along, Jetty Osman coming along, Kevin Love being back in the lineup and healthy. These things are not that big of a deal anymore. The Cavs are playing a lot better basketball. So I'm just telling you this. Even though Zion Williamson is the clear number one pick overall, and the Cavs would love to have Zion, John Morant is a pretty good consolation prize. He is a Russell Westbrook type of player. He's a very good facilitator, one of the best passers in college basketball, not just this year, but in the last many years. He's a good scorer. He's he's a freak athletically. He's got a lot of Russell Westbrook uh, qualities in him. And if the Cavs were to get him as, let's say, the number two pick and they miss out on Zion, you could draft a Ja Morant and then kind of play Colin Sexton as a combo guard and you could have the two of them on the floor at the same time. It's not ideal because of size, but I think that there are enough intangibles there. They would play well together, play off each other. It gives the Cavs a lot of flexibility in the backcourt. I would say, if you're a Cavs fan, be just as excited thinking about the possibility of drafting Morant as Zion Williamson. That will be interesting to follow along, but keep an eye on him. John Morant, watch him this weekend on Saturday as Murray State plays Florida State. That'll be an interesting battle. John Morant is probably the number two pick in the NBA draft, and if you're a Cavs fan, be just as excited about the possibility of drafting him as you would Zion Williamson, because he is that good. He's a great player. Should be a lot of fun. If you're a Cavs fan, Hey, Morant or Zion Williamson, either one. Um, it'd be a lot of fun to watch with the Cavs in future seasons. Hey, that's going to wrap things up. Uh, again, the Unscripted Ohio podcast, as you know, will come at you every Monday and Friday on BuckeyeGrove.com. We are on the archives on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, you can catch us on BuckeyeGrove.com. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter At KYLAM8, you can catch the Unscripted Ohio podcast on Twitter at UnscriptedOhio1. Of course, every Wednesday, we also have our sister podcast, the Scarlet and Great podcast, brought to you by Johnny Johnny Lunsford and Corey Thompson. That is going to do things for me. Hey, I hope everybody has a great weekend. Lots of NCAA tournament basketball coming up. And, of course, we'll talk about Ohio State and the NCAA tournament on Monday and whatever else uh, football stuff pops up between now and then. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks.
1: You can get new episodes of Unscripted Ohio on Mondays and Fridays exclusively at BuckeyeGrove.com or anytime on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all things Ohio State.